welcome to our new podcast called Tales from Corporate. My name's Elise, my partner in crime. Maria. Hey there. Always a pleasure. So we want to introduce ourselves to you, all the listeners, tell you why we decided to start this podcast and our project, what it means to us, how we got here. We figured we'd just be honest from episode one. And now's the time. Right? 2020. So thank you for being here. That's no accident that you're listening to us right now. <laughs> exactly. 2020 was some kind of a year. Actually, I'm not sure we would have done this if we hadn't lived through 2020. No, it was a galvanizing force. That whole experience, the the roughness of it kind of birthed within at least you and I some things that had been gestating, right? And I think in in, in a larger sense in our country, we we birthed a lot of recognitions, realizations, but also innovations. And so hoping that we can tap into some of what we had been gestating in and, and birthing it here. Not exactly. <laughs> right. So it took us a little time. We're both very busy um, individuals, both very busy females. We working in corporate. Theoretically. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, we had some reservations. We did. We had reservations about our identity. You know, if you are in corporate, you understand um, how the corporation <laughs> demands and desires and expects certain things from you as far as brand um, identity and um, core values and code. And we weren't sure if we could actually do this podcast. We were worried about those things. And then we're also worried about what we may touch on as far as subject matter. But after months of trepidation and research, we decided, you know what? (laughs) After after many (laughs) deep, deep meetings, we decided to kind of like push through the other side and deal with our fears. And we we thought we were going to have something around October to announce the world. And then we had to pause because my partner in crime here, Maria, had a huge, it was a game changer (laughs) that came into into play. Yeah, tapped into a whole lot of new uh, talents that I don't think had been recognized before at my firm and had the great opportunity to have some leadership opportunities that only fed into this idea that Elise and I had here where those things that for years I thought, "Mm, yes, I'm learning this on my own, but who else might benefit from this? Probably everybody needs to know. Everybody probably already knows this. Probably maybe I'm the last to discover it. But at the end of this year, at the end of 2020, it's a new year. Wow. Got to get used to writing that down and saying it. There was this recognition that no, our perspective is going to be really important to share all of our perspectives, especially as people of color within corporate. It, it's so unique. It's so important. It's so valuable that if we're coming across lessons and observations, uh, not I, I just learned from all these conversations, people around the country um, and talking to them that when we share them, we're just 
that much less alone and we feel that much more powerful. And so that's really large part of the reason why I wanted to take part of this project here. Exactly, Maria. Um, I think that one of the core values that's it's an interwoven into my fibers. My parents instilled it into me. It's like information, knowledge is power. And I think I know, excuse me, that we want to empower the listeners via active participation, sharing information, sharing experiences in corporate to help listeners make better decisions or reassure or reaffirm maybe some of the things that you're thinking or let you know that that was real. It's not, you weren't gaslit. <laughs> That's how you felt. That day. And sometimes you were, you were very much gaslit. So let's exactly. talk about what you really did to your experience. You're like, did that really just happen? So this is kind of what this podcast will be. We'll be talking about experiences in corporate, um, what it is to work as a professional, what it is to go to, undergrad come out with certain expectations mm-hmm. and hit the workforce. So Maria is in the financial services sector. I used to be in financial services <laughs> and also in film production, but that's also another joke. And I work <laughs> I've been in IT for the last seven, eight years. So um <laughs> so and and I've done a, a bit of psychology. And <laughs> Tons of research on the academic side and just it feels like a lifetime ago. But yes, so all of this culminates into us looking very young, which is a whole topic in and of itself. But having had, as you can tell from at least Elise's CV, a wide variety of experiences at this point. <laughs> and there's some themes that bubble up. And I, I, I think it's important to add, Elisa, this is a little bit of an experiment. We've called this. We've called this journey Tales from Corporate because, again, this is our perspective. We're not representing any particular firm or or anything of that sort. But in a couple of years of of connecting (laughs) amongst the two of us and some of our professional girlfriends, we realized there's definitely some themes, as, as you mentioned, that we were trying, they were trying, there might've been some gaslighting. That's debatable. We'll call them tales. Exactly. Exactly. We'll call our experience. <laughs> All anonymous. We're going to talk about it. Oh, we should talk about how we're going to talk about it. This is not a news editorial. We're not coming to you as journalists. We are, again, exactly. coming to you as professionals. At this point, we're mid-career. <laughs> and for yeah, obviously, privacy reasons of all parties. We're just gonna, you know, every now and again say allegedly. <laughs> you know, Maria's giving the stories. <laughs> we'll keep it as clean as possible, but we'll have plenty of commentary as well. So, hopefully, it resonates with you. I know it. It does with um, some of our network who have encouragement. And part of okay, so you've heard this story before, but years ago. I had a friend who was a production specialist mm-hmm. for podcasts, for corporate podcasts. And she and I, we were having some some happy hour wine one day and, and we were talking about where we were in our careers. And she turned to me and she paid me one of the, the deepest compliments. She said, you are so talented. And I know 
where you work, they're not tapping into all sides of you. I would just love, can I tell you the truth? I would just love to produce a show with you. And I said, wait, what would I be talking about? Like, I don't, I don't understand the ins and outs of, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she said, no, no, no. It, you're intellectually curious. You can tell your experiences in a comedic way. I, it would just be, I think, an, a great engaging podcast. And I laughed and I paid, I took the compliment and I said, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> and I let it rest. <laughs> but this has been brewing. I told you this has been gestating. This has been brewing in the minds of people who know me and have said, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. you need to share. It's kind of like the book, The Artist's Way. You know, if you have that je ne sais quoi locked within you, if you don't share it with the world, it starts to, it's it starts to eat away at you a little bit. And that's part of what I hope uh, our listeners uh, can resonate with, because we all know we have a little something in ourselves that we can share with the world and it be truly differentiating. I don't know. What's your take on it? Um, totally. Um, that is the, for me, the whole purpose. I find that for myself, often spend a lot of time talking to friends, talking to peers at work, especially people who are new to the game that is corporate, mm-hmm. working in corporate and trying to share nuggets of um lessons learned um not lecturing but even things that i was told um i grew up in an atmosphere that was um breakfast lunch and dinner (laughs) the conversation the topic of conversation was more often than not about risk management at a major hospital conglomerate back in new york city so my mother and my uncle worked in compliance and risk management so i think it's kind of funny that that's now, know that. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. yeah. So legal at a hospital is like where all of the bad stuff happens that has to be managed. So it's not just negative, but it's, it is literally where they manage the fact that people make human beings who are employees make not always the best decisions and mm-hmm. they actively have to manage it. So they're not HR, but they have to deal with the outcomes so maybe hr sometimes makes not the best decision or there's an incident it's completely incident management and rolling out you know different things and whatnot like like hipaa back in those days i remember when they were coming up with hipaa and they were going to like joint commissions committee meetings with the big other big hospitals in new york city to give their input Mm -hmm. as to what should you know to to come up with the blueprint or the framework of what hipaa is now. So this is a you know example, but I just would hear the stories about, and it wasn't just gossip. Like my uncle and my mother weren't just gossiping; they worked together. But it was about the mistakes. So even the best doctor in the world, people just make mistakes, and it's about. I learned one of the lessons I learned was it's better to tell the truth in the beginning when something happens versus a cover up. A cover-up is almost the worst thing that you can do. You get into more trouble. The repercussions are greater when the cover-up is discovered versus if you had told the truth in the beginning. Just yeah. a lesson. So, so at, the, so at the, the eating table, you were already learning corporate lessons like accountability. Yeah. So, like, I mm-hmm. used to spend a lot. I mean, it's funny how corporate has changed, but 
even that atmosphere, the hospital before it became a huge conglomerate, it used to be like a really big hospital for that borough, you know, but not necessarily like the conglomerates that the city has now. Right. And I used to spend a lot of time <laughs> at my mother and uncle's office. So I used to sometimes be like, I'm really good at typing. So they would always like, we have to make use of you. So I would drop mail off, pick mail up, <laughs> you know, um, type up correspondence. I was helping in the office. You see what I'm saying? Fa I knew how to fax when I was like, what, eight or 10? Like I knew how to <laughs> Knew how to work the fax machine. Okay, not everybody remembers what a fax machine is. <laughs> I know, right? I know how to fax. So I knew how to, you know, to properly address the, you know, cover letter for a fax and make sure to mention things. So it's funny, like, at work now in my person, you know, in my corporate life, people go, like, your um, naming conventions are your emails. And I noticed the way you write your emails, they're such, but it's, it is because I am consistently always of that frame of mind of speaking, and not legalese, because I'm not a lawyer, right? I did not go to law school, but of always mentioning facts, dates, times, <laughs> and and just wrapping it up. So it's like people go like, I know not to mess with her in email. You know, you know, and she, it's documentation as a best yeah. practice. So it's, so it's mm -hmm. a, all these lessons you learn. So, it's, so you, you're, you're careful of the words you use and what you type and what you say how you put it together, the tone. <laughs> we'll talk about that in another episode, tone of emails and communications, but correspondence. So I enjoyed, like, but I grew up in that atmosphere is what I'm saying. So it was it was consistently learning about new projects and projects. So I, I grew up watching my uncle give speeches at the hospital, you know, like when they would roll out a new initiative. So it was in the blood, you know, going to the office space, wanting to be in the office. Smelling office supplies. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna claim? That was, that Wait, which office supplies were you smelling? <laughs> I just, I was fascinated. Of course, like most of you, I was fascinated by the Amazing. office, the office closet, like you know where they had all the supplies, and I'd be like, you guys have all this paper, all this whiteouts. Uh, now, like kids probably don't know what whiteout is right anymore, but <laughs> all this whiteouts all these highlighters and markers and pens, like this is amazing. But yeah, I couldn't wait to grow up. I was old anyway when I was a kid, so I couldn't wait to grow up, you know? And there's something about hearing the hum of that old school typewriter typing mm -hmm. up a letter of correspondence <laughs> that's very important. And that was the other thing. Um, it wasn't legal, they were under legal, but there were always messengers coming and going, taking legal correspondence somewhere that was really important. So we just kind of always knew like, Certain things are urgent, have priority, not making, you know, certain typographical mistakes, getting things out. So there were some high profile things that happened back in the day in the hospital. And, um, you know, the hospital every now and then would get into the paper for something that was not positive and the management thereof. And of course, even sometimes in those, sense, in those moments, they were not allowed to discuss things with me at home, even at the kitchen table. Of course. But you learned. But you learned. But it was like, so two years later, what happened with that? <laughs> you know, like, what was that all about? Like kerfluffle. Um, <laughs> but other than that, um, I come from I've I've taken those experiences and gone into my grown up life and worked in many different sectors and, and industries, which I will say has come to be a positive thing. 
And hopefully I'll be able to share lots and lots of tales with the audience here. And that will help someone else make better decisions or support you or reaffirm you. And that's a great (laughs) crash course into your background, because even though you and I both ended up in corporate, I didn't have that at the dining room table. And so I'm loving that we're covering the, the parts of the audience that did versus those that didn't. I had healthcare (laughs) growing up. And so there was lots of talk about blood pressure and the importance of nutrition and the importance of working hard and studying so you can maintain your licenses. And those kinds of values very much got, you know, both you and I, um, I think we shared those. And my father had a fairly successful career in finance also, but because he and I were estranged (laughs) for the most part growing up, I didn't actually get those lessons from him. Like the limited amount of time that I spent with him was the conversation was just around get good grades. And so I think coming into corporate, I came in decently naive of, okay, I was pretty good at school. I'm pretty good at getting good grades as long as I work hard and get good air quotes, work grades, right? Good reviews and Mm -hmm. all of that, I should be able to grow in my career and ascend. And I'll have people who, you know, they will recognize my hard work kind of like in in a hospital, you know, if you do good work, your patients don't die. Right. So I was doing good work. And so I think part of what um, I was thinking about while you were talking was at a certain point in time, I realized that I didn't have corporate language in my blood. And a lot of my, you know, white counterparts did. And I saw them and I would watch them operate in meetings with awe at the fluidity between talking about content of their work to talking about like their social life and, you know, connecting with some of these executives. And I'm like, huh, I'll have to learn that. And it took me years to recognize that it's not only about working harder, it's about working smarter. And that was another huge uh, driver for me to want to do this so that if someone else doesn't have to relearn the lessons of all those unspoken rules, and trust me, honey, there's many, that's, that'll sound like a dream to me. No, exactly. And actually adding into what you're saying to bring us full circle network. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring this around in the sense that you and I actually go way back, but it's, it's, I want to just for the audience. We, we we are both Brooklyn tech Knights. (laughs) So for those who are not from New York city, Brooklyn tech is a specialized high school. One of the first and one of the original STEM schools now they're they're all over the place and and, and many schools are marketed and branded as stem schools but they were one of the first and you had to get it you had to take a test and and pass of course and get a certain grade to get gain admission to the school and um we were always friends of friends and we had overlapping circles of friends and mm-hmm. you went to ivy league <laughs> I went to a state school in a different state. <laughs> so, uh, let me let, pause. 
Elise was the the cool kid, and I was the super nerd. No, no. <laughs> so, we went to school for a while. For a while, our mutual friends were like, "Oh, you know, connect." And I, at least from my part, I was like, "Well, she is. She was the cool, but she was the cool kid, though." No, I wasn't that cool. You don't know that, but it took me a I, while to be like, "Oh, no, she is cool." Because I was. No, I realized. Was- I realized high school was a game, <laughs> and I played the game, but I didn't like it. So. When I got to college, that's why I went to the school mm-hmm. I went to. I mm-hmm. wanted to get away from everybody from high school. <laughs> so I thought. And then, of course, when I got there to orientation, there were like 10 of us from Brooklyn Tech in our <laughs> class. So it wasn't really much escape, you know, escaping, you know, New York City and that history. But I just wanted to be, I guess, a little granola crunchy. It, like lean into that side <laughs> more than... um having to feel like I've got to keep up with the Joneses every single day and look a certain way, dress a certain way, move a certain way. We then get reunited by a mutual friend in tech night. After we leave. Yeah. This is decades later. New York, because I was tired of keeping up with the Joneses. Right. And I and what do people find a graduate school and I was like, there's more to this country. Mm-hmm. Right, and who? And what do t- people who get tired of keeping what the Joneses do in New York? They move to LA. <laughs> they, they embrace. They fully embrace the most crunch granola crunchy side that there is in this great land. <laughs> exactly. And no offense, be because hey, look at I. I stayed. <laughs> you already beat me here. You got you six, seven years up on me, and and then I come out here, and then I'm just like, and then we get reconnected after all those years. And one of the things that we love to do when we do connect and do meet up and and do things was always talk about what's going on at the office. (laughs) And the the postal differences in corporate, right? Because you and I have both worked in New York corporate. Then we came here and it was, did I tell you what a huge culture shock from a work perspective it will be? Like, yeah. Yeah, no, what's expected what's tolerated, what's allowed. The culture is completely different, completely. And then I think I used to talk to you like, hey, is this normal? So just, <laughs> so we, you know, I open this is, cause this is not what, and so, so we would have those conversations a lot. And it took, I think anyone who's moved out here from another state will say is that it takes, I think about a year and a half to two years to finally let LA kind of like wash over you mm-hmm. a little bit and not consistently hold it up to that mirror mm-hmm. of what it is to live in the Northeast or what it is to live in um, uh, New York City as far as those standards. So we still crack jokes. We're still New Yorkers at heart. When I am not in the corporate office, I often get called out for my very New York City accent. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, we have no accents. You know, um, you have an accent. But we um, are bringing those lessons to you all, the you listeners. Mean, you, you New Yorkers got an accent, but nobody else Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and it's in, it's, in, it's in our work ethic. So these are some of the things that we've, we, we want to bring all of that to you all as the listeners. And we want to share that with you all and hope that you all enjoy the tales and also will hopefully one day share tales with us. So we hope to roll that all out as we grow 
was the audience. That is like a bravo to us. I want to say congratulations to you, Maria. Congratulations to you and happy new year. A happy new year because it is it is January 2nd and we finally recorded episode one. So we're going to end on that. We're and we'll see you. you. I know, right? Like, bravo! Oh, <laughs> so, <and> bravo. <laughs> so excited. Uh, we'll see you guys later. Bye.